Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Welcome to the Runner's World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane Maguire. Today, we're talking with Vassos Alexander about his new book, How to Run a Marathon. Speaking of the marathon, Jane, Seg- you were speaking with... Uh, yeah, what a segue. Smooth. Smooth. Um, you were chatting with Hugh Bracia, race director of the London Marathon this week. You're the person with access. Tell us what happened. I was. Um, it was a very, very positive chat with the man himself. Um, it was, no, it was, it was good. He was basically saying um, the plan for 2021 is 100,000... London Marathon runners, 50,000 on the day on the course and another 50,000 on the virtual London Marathon, which they were really, really pleased with how it went last October. And they're, they're keeping it. They want it to stay. They want it to be the new, the new format, the new normal of the London Marathon is to have this double event. Oh, wow. So like regardless of the kind of uh, situation that's going to that's going to happen anyway even when we're back to sort of big city big crowd yeah event and there wasn't much um obviously they were very um kept their cars close to the chest and in, in the kind of contingency plans if the vaccine hasn't rolled out or there's a new strain or you know any questions like that it's just kind of there are plan a b c d e but runners world weren't lucky enough to see inside that you know that kind of thought, the vault. thought bubble or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, bubble. Um, we, yeah, they're really, really, really positive that this October the 3rd, London Marathon will be back. As, oh, as right. we know it, maybe a bit different. Who knows? That's good. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I first read it, I was a bit like, oh, that's a brazen statement to say that they're going to be ready to go. But then I guess you've got to be with everything that's been going on and races being cancelled multi- multiple times and having to sort of, if you were running any of them, build yourself up and then take the hit of it being cancelled and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think that you've kind of got to have that that line in the sand now, I guess is the most important bit. Well, I did say to and- them, I was like, for some runners, I guess listening to this as well as reading um, the interview, some people will have been training for this London Marathon for over a year now. And I was just like, what can you give them to keep them going? And it's, I think um, London Marathon were kind of saying it's the hope of having like the plan. And I think for all of us this weekend, it's been so cold. And I think having a plan can help you go out when you don't want to. So I guess that's the kind of message that even if you have your doubts over what the day might look like having a plan can help you right now when everything feels a bit bleak for sure yeah I think that's really good I think that's really good I think we can often think about marathon training plans as something that why on earth would you want to sort of go through a marathon training plan if there wasn't the guarantee of a race at the end of it but I think there is another argument that says that 
actually having yeah like you say having a plan gets you motivated gets you out there i don't think that many people ever really regret getting you know fit enough to 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 run a race like that actually there are some great benefits that can be had just through just through the training so i think you can you can progress even if you're not 100 percent sure there's going to be um a race at the end of it but it all sounds pretty positive yeah you know? fingers so crossed I, so, side note have you ever trained have you ever done completed a training plan with absolutely no race coming up no i i've done i don't know in some ways like not 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 as black and white as that but i think that my training over the last sort of three years has been sort of there's been a long run there's been something quick in the week there's been some slow stuff so almost the kind of training that you would do yeah if there was a race it's not like oh there's no race i'll just go and I, i'm just doing really really slow running now until mm-hmm. there's a point i kind yeah. of actually like the kind that the kind of variety that you get in a schedule if that makes sense yeah yeah i guess yeah, i sure. said i said no straight off the bat but actually i've done that i haven't run a race since last january and i'm still um having a plan written for me by the lovely lewis from new levels coaching um and that really helps me i don't know what i'd do yeah i think i'd probably just go out and run the same distance the same pace maybe the same pace yeah. the same route I've become one of those weird people that wears the same outfit in different colours every day. Maybe. <laughs> you know, Just like in the cartoons the when they open the wardrobe and they're all the same. Maybe that would be me if I didn't have a plan. But it, it is an interesting one though, because I think that I mean, you're, you're running, Ben. Like you, you love to run, but you're not, you're not a prolific racer. But you still no. find the motivation to, to get out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that comes from just wanting to move though. Like a lot of the time... Mm. That's just like a fidget, fidgety body, you know, syndrome, whatever it is. When I just sort of like, you get that sort of itchy, oh God, I haven't done anything all day. Like I'm, I'm sitting, looking out the window now and seeing the most gorgeous, like blue mm. sky, winter yeah, sun situation. Yeah. And my default setting is just like, wow, imagine running around now in that and just being no, outside. I agree. So yeah. that, that kind of, that's kind of where the motivation from it comes. But yeah, I mean... I've I've completed lot like big training blocks before and I guess that definitely has helped with the aim of achieving something at the end of it. I think that I don't know, it just never it actually just never crossed my mind during this whole time to be like I could just do an 8 week 5k training plan mm. for the sake of doing it and then having completed it just go and try and run 5k as fast as you can or however you want to do it and that that'd be good enough. I just my brain hadn't gone like yeah you could do that. Well, so maybe that's, you know, that's that's quite an interesting sort of side note, I thought, just to be like, yeah, oh, do, yeah, do a definitely. plan for no reason, apart from just to get faster or go longer or whatever. Yeah. So some events have been going on, um, and there was one on the weekend, which is the, the 100 kilometer world record attempt. We talked about it uh, last week with Carla Molinaro came on, um, mm-hmm. and it was quite a mad old, quite a mad old day, wasn't it? It was... Jim Wormsley missed out on the men's record by 12 seconds. Which is nothing, is it? Over, over 100 kilometres, 12 seconds. Um, he ran, I think uh, I read that he... Did he bash his arm or he was bleeding or something, wasn't he? So he that, must have fallen over. He was bleeding out of his sh- sort of shoulder or arm area. he ran into yeah. a um, barrier or something. Cause that would add 12 seconds, wouldn't it? Being like, oh my yeah, God, my yeah. arm is bleeding. Bless him. quite bad, actually. <laughs> yeah. So he, his time was... Um, what was it? It was six hours, nine minutes and 26 seconds. So but it works out at like sort of six minute mile in for 62 miles, which is so like that's, in marathon, that's like that's, that's two. Madness. It's a 237 marathon times yeah. that by two and then run another 10 miles at the same pace. 
Oh my god. It's mad, isn't it? It's that it when you put mad. it like that, it's like, wow, that is that is insane. And then also you, you just miss out by twelve seconds. <laughs> and that's all anyone can talk about. I feel like we should go back and re edit ourselves and start with yeah. that, not yeah. the twelve second news. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's such an incredible like um it's such an incredible sort of uh, level up on running. Do you know what I mean? When you kind of like yeah. you, you, you sort of we get again we get you get bogged down by different times meaning certain amounts of you know sort of numbers and round big nice now round numbers a hundred a hundred something or something you know what i mean it's just kind of like when you break it down into pace per mile that someone's able to achieve then you suddenly go wow that is that's amazing running because the distance is is you can understand it but it's kind of almost just a bit like that's a figure mm. yeah just, i know what you mean but you yeah, can relate yeah. you can relate an effort you know a personal effort like, oh, right, he ran just under six-minute miles for six hours. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, when was the last time I ran, like, sit under six for, like, three miles? For and one mile. Like, that, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that is, that is incredible. Yeah, yeah so, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you were following Carla's uh, progress, Jane, a bit on, on Instagram. I was. I don't want to put words in Carla's mouth, um, but I don't think the race went to plan for her. And I think... Um, her, she anyone who saw she did these really emotional stories afterwards where she was in tears kind of talking about um how the race hadn't gone to plan and I just kind of thought we've all been there haven't we when you finish and you're like that's not what I wanted to happen yeah but you've still yeah. run the distance and you've still done an amazing achievement but I think it wasn't what she wanted um I think it was maybe the case she went out too hard too quick I think that's right yeah she, she was she was leading until the 70 kilometer mark um and then yeah just faded i think finished fourth yeah uh, still still a pb apparently and uh, yes yeah, finishing 8 yeah. hours 1 minute and 22 seconds so still still a really amazing bit of running but she's a, yeah not not what she was hoping for it was a she ran a 22 minute pb wow. so like that's you know still incredible and yeah. um yeah. yeah she i mean she was she she was looking at all the things that she's posted and and sort of feedback on the whole thing she, her plan was absolutely to go out hard and fast and, and basically hold on as long as she could. And, and she either was going to do it or she didn't. And this time around, she didn't. But, you know, I think that there's so much, there's so many eyes on events like this now. That's where the sort of, I think, where the, the sort of release mm. afterwards comes from. Like the, the if you were going, if it was a 100k race and it wasn't televised and it wasn't just mm. you and a set number of athletes all from the same brand, all trying to do the same thing, all in line with a new shoe that's come out. It, do you know what I mean? There's a whole mm. world of like doing your job as a sponsored athlete, doing your job as an athlete, doing your job as everything else. I kind of feel like the pressure and every that sort of situation. But yeah, it was, I mean, still phenomenal. Eight hours, just over, just over eight hours to run 100K is mad. I've definitely gone on bike rides that have <laughs> been <laughs> slower, than that. slower in the same distance. <laughs> so there you go. I also think that I mean, we talk a lot um, about pacing, don't we? And the importance of the even pace, or if you can, even maybe like to, to do a negative split, so to do the second half faster than the first. Yeah. But I do think there's, there is a place for the heroic um, kind of going all out in in the hope that you might be able to hold on, knowing that you're right on the limit, and actually, yeah, you know, maybe blowing up a little bit, and and um, and the lessons that you can learn from that. There is something courageous, I think, about maybe heading off a little bit faster than you can possibly sustain and seeing what you can do it can go yeah. very badly wrong or, or very right but I, I kind of think that there's a lot to be 
admired about um, that approach as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a totally different event and a totally different race strategy, but it still always reminds me of when Andy Badley came on the podcast and was talking about mm. r- running the, the, the record for the park run and how Andy, his coach, was following behind and was telling him splits that didn't exist because the watch, <laughs> the, the watch had stopped working. Right. And Andy just went out really hard and really fast. And like for a 5K, like, you know, that's that's basically you're doing... 1500 meter pace or whatever it was he was doing and yeah. I don't, and just kind of managed to hold on and it's that sort of that that fine line between going out actually hard as hard as you harder than you think you can basically mm. that sort of level and it always reminds me of him just being a bit like I just did it because I was being told it was all right and then you, yeah and then, I, right. and then I got the record and it turns out it was faster than I'd ever been before and you're like oh so there's that there's that level of like if you go yeah hard, exactly and someone goes no you're on pace you just think oh well it just feels a bit harder today doesn't it yeah yeah i'll <laughs> just no. carry on yeah exactly yeah, I'll just carry on. i mean 5k is a bit different to 100 but there we go yes you're right yeah you can you can have a, a, a worse time for for longer can't you when you, the distance goes up yeah, yeah. but yeah i think there's something in that um all right well i think we should bring on our our guest of the week yeah let's do it So our guest this week is broadcaster, author and serial marathon runner Vassos Alexander. Vassos has just written his new book, How to Run a Marathon. So we thought it'd be a good time to speak to him about the magic of the marathon and why he thinks everyone should run one at some point in their lives. So Vassos, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Well, thank you very much, Rick. Nice to see you. Yeah, and you. Um, So who is this book aimed at? I would guess it's aimed at people who have yet to run a marathon and perhaps think that um, the marathon is beyond them. Um, Because I can sort of I can sort of pretty much guarantee and you guys can tell me if you agree with this or not. I think everybody, everybody can run a marathon. Everybody's got a marathon in them. Um, And and it's a, I mean, it's a love, it's a lovely challenge. It's not easy. I'm not going to say everyone's got an easy marathon in them, but the fact of it being difficult sort of is the point of it. Um, and there's, you know, they're, they're, with very, very few exceptions, I think everybody listening to this, in fact, with almost no exceptions, if you're, if you know, if you're an existing runner, um, if you can, if you can get yourself around a park run, run, walk or jog 5k, you can with some training attempt and succeed in finishing a marathon yeah i agree i think it can be very sort of um intimidating uh when you talk about marathon but actually the reality is that if everyone trains hard and commits to it then you can definitely do it what do you reckon jane i completely agree i think i definitely did my first marathon on minimal not minimal training but i wasn't ready um and i think I completely agree the ma- the marathon is magic. So I don't think, you know, I think you can enjoy a marathon walking, you can enjoy a marathon run walking, you can enjoy the atmosphere. I don't think, you know, I think marathons have become the thing where you have to run sub whatever whereas it's not like that, is it? And I th- I don't know. I think the marathon's magic and I think it always will be. Yeah, and the fact is, you know, when you've got a marathon finishes medal around your neck, from then on for the, from then, from that moment, for the rest of your life, you know, you are a marathon runner. You have run a marathon. And that's that's a massive thing to be able to pat yourself on the back for. Um, and it's very kind of egalitarian, isn't it? You know, you'd, you'd, you'd rather be 
a kind of a well-trained, poor student living in a bedsit with barely enough money for baked beans than a billionaire who hadn't done the proper training. You know, it's, it's, it's quite simple. Train hard enough and you will succeed in running the marathon. And how has the marathon kind of changed you to change you let's look back to your first marathon what was what was the pre-marathon running like and what you know how did it change your running well I've always I've got a sort of Greek streak in me well all of me I am Greek um so I've always had a little bit of a you know of a hankering to do a marathon perhaps more than any other runner because of the history of the marathon and Pheidippides uh, making that sort of desperate dash from the battle scene in marathon back to Athens to let the Athenians know and it was urgent, you know, this was urgent news because the invading Persians were probably going to win that battle. And so the, the, the people back in Athens were going to just, you know, abandon the city and head for the hills and set fire to because they didn't want to, you know, they definitely didn't want to be um, under Persian rule. So he needed to get the message back quickly. And he did. Um, it didn't end well for him, for Pheidippides, but he'd had a bit of a week of it. Um, <laughs> he'd run 300 miles or earlier to Sparta and back and probably fought in the battle. Um but it's got that kind of history to it. If you've ever run the Athens Marathon, by the way, that's awesome from marathons to from marathon to Athens. Um, so I've always, I, you know, above and beyond the fact that it is the holy grail of distance running, I've added the sort of the Greekness to it because of my heritage. But it is just um, what was my first one? My first one was Barcelona. I loved the atmosphere that I loved. The start line, the nervous energy on the start line. I loved the fact that after 18 miles, basically, my legs said, no further. And then we got up the open hotel um, doorway where we were staying, my cousin and I, in Barcelona that weekend. And I was desperate to just stop running and, you know, start running a bath and have a beer. But I carried on. And then I loved the sense of achievement at the end of your first marathon is one of the great moments in life i think yeah i agree i remember mine was um mine was abroad as well actually it was in budapest which is a great city actually I, I didn't realize how nice budapest was but um that had the advantage that it had you know the spas the next day so going around in in the spas in budapest after the marathon yeah it's such a feeling of um of achievement and, and often it isn't you know it isn't your best marathon in the, in the sense that you absolutely nail it and you've done the right training but i, I don't think you ever forget your first your first one and it's it's um yeah it's a very very special feeling I think I think you forget the pain don't you I think it's I've not yeah. had a I've not yeah. had a baby but I imagine it's like childbirth where you forget because you've got this baby and you're like oh yeah so great and with marathons they bloody hurt and then you forget and you've got a medal and you're like oh I'll do another one when's my next so, one yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think your biggest misconception was about the marathon before you did it or maybe what you think other people's misconception is about it I think that people think that everyone on the start line of the marathon is um, Mo Farah, Pilot mm. Selassie, you know, Elliot Kipchoge, Bridget Koskai, Paula Radcliffe, you know, and, and absolutely not the case, you know, absolutely not the case. There's all shapes and sizes and colours and creeds on the start line of the marathon. And it's a really welcoming place. It's not some kind of exclusive club. I remember in Barcelona at the, you know, the hotel's, around the start line of a marathon will will open a little bit early their breakfast buffets for, for for marathon runners and I was looking around the room and I was so intimidated by everyone because everyone there at 5 a.m was obviously there to run the marathon that day and I thought oh my goodness they're all so fit and they 
toned and athletic and and I was really intimidated and then you know and you start running and then you realize that we're all the same we're just you know we're just it's us against the distance it's not you against anyone else and so I would say that if if the people are putting you off doing a marathon then absolutely forget that because it's a really welcoming place and I think my favorite place in the world and the thing I'm looking forward to most when all of this stupid pandemic is over is just getting in the start pen of a marathon and getting that feeling of nervous excitement all around me because that energy, you really feed off it. Oh, are you, definitely. Are yeah. you a talker? Do you talk to people in the start yeah. pen? Yeah. I stand if there trying not to cry. Near the start line, <laughs> avoid me at all costs because <laughs> I, I cannot shut up. And I'm doing the first sort of five to ten miles as well. I'm the same. I like talking. It makes it makes you feel like I'm kind of, I've, I don't know, kind of in control of this, of uh, of the marathon situation. If I'm chatting, I don't know. Are you are you are you the opposite, Jay? I'm like I'm literally trying not to cry. I'm just sitting there on my own, <laughs> trying not to cry, being like, "What have I done?" And then people try and talk to me, and I'm like a deer in the headlights. They must be like, "What is wrong with this girl?" <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you think then that I mean, because because marathons have been going on in you know during 2020 without crowds. I get the sense that for you, the, the crowds and the people are kind of a vital part of the magic of, of running a marathon. Do, do, you, do you at all see the appeal of, of running a marathon w- without those elements there? Um, I did the virtual London last o- October. I did it on the, um, um, on the South Downs in a very stormy kind of day, um, very early in the morning, because I wanted to end with the breakfast hotel buffet because we were staying down in Eastbourne. Um, okay, right. And it was... It was kind of lovely. It was kind of lovely because you knew that other people all over the country, all over the world were doing the same thing at the same time. But I just sort of, I missed them. I Mm. wanted to be with them. I wanted to be surrounded by them. I didn't want the occasional car to hoot its horn to sort of show support or telling me to get out of the road. I wanted, you know, I wanted five deep on the sides of the road, on the embankment like they are in London. I wanted those tidal waves of good wishes. I wanted all the silly costumes that you get um, you know, in Greenwich Park, I wanted the whole hoopla. So I, I think a marathon, vir- virtual marathons that have been going on, and for goodness sake, my friend Brett, who I work with at Virgin, Brett, um, whose marathon PB I think is three oh five, did a marathon on his own. We're talking on Monday, on Sunday morning, so yesterday, three eleven, just randomly around the streets where he lives. And I have oh. a lot of respect for that because yeah, for yeah. Sure. no adrenaline, no aid stations, no cheering crowds, no nothing. So to, to 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 run something close to your best under those circumstances, I think is admirable. But I don't have that. For me, a marathon, a virtual marathon, is like sport without crowds. It's a little bit vanilla, a, a lot vanilla. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah. I think um, there's going to be so many people listening to this. One thing we here time and I'm sure you hear again and again and again is this idea that I'm not a real runner and you've touched on it but like what would you say to that person listening now on their 5k thinking I'm not a real runner I couldn't do a marathon you're making it sound really easy what would you say to them okay well forget the fact that it's easy it's not easy definitely not easy um, but wouldn't be worth doing if it was on that start line in Barcelona in my first marathon I definitely felt like I'm not a real runner unlike everybody surrounding me you know, with their GPS watches and then their high-tech shorts and, you know, their shoes. Some of them, I saw people changing shoes on the start line because they wouldn't want to walk to the start in the same shoes as they were running in. And that concept 
this is 10 years ago now, was so alien to me. I thought, oh my God, who are these people? What is this? What is this that I've stumbled into? Um, and I felt like the, you know, the least deserving person of a place, of a, of a bib number, of a start place in the marathon. But, you know, but we're all real runners. All of us are real runners, whether you, you know, whether you can go a mile or three miles or 10K or half a marathon, you know, we're all real runners. We're all on a journey. None of us, certainly not us three, um, are going to break any world records or, you know, win any gold medals. But that's it's not the point. That's not why we do it. We do it for the for the sheer joy and for the fact that it's, you know, that it is hard, but we come through it. I want to talk to you about the wall, because I think this is another area that kind of terrifies people about the marathon, the wall. You're going to hit the wall. Um, what's your own experience of hitting the wall? Do you think it's an inevitability? And, and what would you say to to anyone about um, the wall and whether it's something to be kind of feared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fear the wall. Definitely fear the wall. It's, the wall's got a capital W, doesn't it? If you were going to write the wall down, you definitely give it a capital W. I think you've, you've got to say it like Danny Dyer now. Yeah, I you've think got since, to do it. Since Danny that program's Dyer come wall. on, you, you've got to hit the wall. Yeah. The wall. Right. <laughs> um, I once, in my first um, Ironman triathlon, I hit the wall. I ran out of, I ran out of um, energy. I ran out of glycogen for my muscles and my, and my head went. Um, just before the start, of the marathon so i ran 26.2 miles <laughs> the wall that day for me was 26.2 miles long you know it took me took me almost five and a half hours to run that marathon and for a for a sub three runner that is a you know that is <laughs> seriously slow and it's a serious slog um but i remember it rather fondly you know because i did i had to de- delve really deep to get through i hit the wall in barcelona at, at 18 miles and it's it's a little bit mental and a, and, a, and a lot physical, or it's a little bit physical and a lot mental. The wall, mm. um, but I, I sort of it's a bit like the, the 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 muscle soreness, DOMS, the day afterwards. You know, when your thighs hurt, I sort of see it as a badge of honour. You know, if, if you if you if you hit the wall in your first marathon, you will come through it. You know, maybe you'll have to walk for a bit. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll be slower than you wanted to. Maybe you you probably will be. Um, doesn't matter. You've come through, and so the medal means a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's right. You, you want a bit of um, a bit of drama, don't you? You've, you've talked about the kind of the genesis of the event, and the, and you know, it doesn't get any more dramatic than Fiodipides' amazing three hundred mile um, run to the death. But um, yeah, I think I think a, a marathon that has a bit of highs and lows, and emotional a uh, bit of emotional roller coaster. That's all. That's all part of it. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was talking to a pal at running club um, just as I was writing the book, actually. And we were, okay, this, this sounds a little bit, this sounds a little bit like higher brow than me. And, and it is definitely higher brow than my usual conversation. He's an English teacher, Paul, and a 2.30 marathon runner. And we were talking about famous start lines. We were just jogging to Richmond Park and we were talking st- famous opening words to books. And he came up with um, Anna Karenina, which is all happy families are alike. And so the interesting thing happens in, you know, in unhappy families is, is the implication. Um, and we sort of agreed that the same is true of marathons, you know, all easy marathons, all happy marathons, where, where everything sort of clicks and the miles just sort of tick by, if not effortlessly, then certainly kind of routinely. Well, they're all the same. But the sort of, you know, the real, real joy, the real interest comes when, you know, what's going to go wrong when? 
and coming through it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah, better narrative, that, I think. Mm. Unless you break your PB, in which case you'll take it anyway, any which way. Well, I want to talk to you about the PB stuff because I think that, um, well, you, you and Jane actually both, um, I think, Jane, of when you broke four hours in Berlin and that being quite a, I mean, how many attempts, what, what, what attempt was that for you uh, to get down to that? Number three. That was number three to get to sub four. But I, I'm not a... I don't know. I always talk to you about this, Rick, don't I? Because I'm not a time-orientated runner. I don't run for a time. I wish that did motivate me as much as it did other people, but I run because, like, I'm so proud of that achievement in Berlin, but I wouldn't say it's my favourite marathon. It's the time I got a PB, but my favourite marathon is London because of the atmosphere and the people and my family being there to watch and the magic of it. And I do do wonder if I'm the only one that's wouldn't put their PB marathon as their favourite. I don't know. I'm not a time. No, I think, um, I think that's interesting. What, what, what about you, Vassos? I know like going under three hours was like, a that was a, a big journey for you, wasn't it, to get to get there? Yeah, holy grail for me. And I had, it was a bit more than four efforts. And I was 3.02.11 for a long time and I couldn't persuade my blimmin' legs to go any quicker. Um, but now, Jane, I'm with you. I don't, I mean, maybe it's because, you know, because of, you know, old father time and, and, and PBs are probably behind me now. But actually, I frequently don't run with any GPS on at all, sometimes not even a stopwatch, just run f- for how I feel, sometimes hard, sometimes not hard, um, sometimes hilly, sometimes not hilly, but just for the enjoyment of the run, just to sort of a little dance between me and the distance rather than head buried in a Garmin, desperately trying to keep the 6.45 a mile which is what you have to do for a sub three marathon. But it was, you know, it was a big motivation factor. And it is one of my, if not my proudest achievement. It's one of my two proudest running achievements, um, which come up quite high in my sort of list of life achievements, to be honest, family and children aside. Um, It's the running stuff that I'm really proud of. And possibly, you know, persuading people to to start running or to restart running through books and whatever I say on the, the radio and telly. Um, you know, the running is a is a is a huge part of my life, and the sub three marathon is a huge part of that. But I sort of feel like a little bit of me has grown out of it. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I know um, Richard Asquith talks about it, sort of the, the age of the runner, the different ages that you go through, and he sort of feels like he matured to the point of yeah, similar to what you're doing, running without technology and running for the the sheer kind of uh, intrinsic joy of. Uh, of running yeah I agree I feel like I'm still super proud of those times and I'm it was a big motivator but I actually think some of the best races are just the ones you just do and you just go at your own pace and you just enjoy every second of it and that's what I say to those lovely scared people that come up to us at the marathon expo Rick and say oh how am I going to get around you think just enjoy it sometimes I think just run because you love running and you're lucky to have a bib on your chest but maybe I'm too poetic and I should run harder. (laughs) This is the Runner's World Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It'd be interesting to quickly talk about, um, I guess, kit and technology, because that is that's something that you know a lot of runners get into, but it might be something that people who start their journey might think they need more kit or might or actually might not be aware of how how much kit they need what what from from writing this book what kind what, what did you discover through that i don't know i talked to some bloke about gadgets and gear <laughs> and i quoted him in the book but i'm i'm not sure he was up to much you? yeah you're right yeah from neanderthal from runner's world yeah um you were awesome you were great and and hang on i've got and they've got a copy of the book over there you say something like Running first, tech, gadgets, gear, a very distant second. I think that's yeah. your quote, and I absolutely agree with it. You absolutely, you know, to run a marathon, to run a big city marathon especially, forget, you know, forget a trail race over the fells, to run a, a, a major or big city marathon with, say, 5,000 runners or more, you need a pair of trainers and some running kit and nothing else you don't have to worry about gels all of that absolutely do if you want to but you don't need to you don't need to sort of feel like oh god there's another hurdle i have to have to leap over is getting my nutrition getting my hydration making sure that i eat the same gels as i'm going to be offered on the course all of that stuff absolutely do if you want to but you don't need to like you say um running first yeah I think that's a good message. I think um, I think the same with kind of uh, when it comes to shoes and, and the idea that you definitely need to go and get your gait analysed on a treadmill, that stuff. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe that will give you a, a little advantage, but it can be a hurdle, can't it? It can just feel like, I just want to get out there and, and run. Why, why do I need to go and, um, you know, jump jump through all these hoops beforehand? And running should be simple and accessible. That's That's the whole appeal of it, I think. The best thing I ever did, honestly, was... Just <laughs> bear with me. We stop wearing underwear, so I, I no longer wear underwear, and for years now I haven't. And all I've worn instead of boxer shorts is running shorts. Um, right. Which for a bloke, it's the same sort of thing, but it's just it just takes one extra hurdle away from me going for a run. I don't have to go upstairs, get running shorts on, find the running socks. You know, I, I dress every morning. And I run every day pretty much. So, you know, I know that they'll get used. So I've just, you know, I've got, I can show you now, obviously, I've got running shorts under my jeans, I've got running socks on. And so it's just, I just need to get a top on or not, you know, I'm ready to run. And it's just, what do they call? It's like tiny habits, isn't it? If you can just make, just make it slightly easier for yourself to to do what you want to do, um, then, you know, you will, you will get there. So not, 
not wearing underwear, <laughs> wearing running shorts instead of underwear just makes it that much more likely that I'll go for a run. What if I've only got half an hour? If 10 minutes of that's going to get ready to, to go for your run and I've only got yeah. 20 minutes and then is it really worth it? That, you know, whereas if I out the door in five seconds, boom. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I think there's a quote at the beginning of one of your chapters that says the best training plan is the one that you can stick to. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I think that's true as well. You know, all these kind of very ambitious training plans that, yes, if you, if you never get injured or you, you have the time, then fantastic. But actually, the best training plan is the one that you can actually fit into your, into your life and, and that you enjoy and carry on doing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one that you can celebrate. You know, I, I just think that, that, that the training is it. You know, elite runners talk about kind of process over results. And I'm completely on board with that. You know, even like the, the, the pandemic hit just before some of the major spring marathons and, and, and Boston and Tokyo were cancelled quite late on, weren't they? And, 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 a, and a lot of people had done a lot of training for those. But I don't think any of them looking back would have resented the training because of the sort of people that the training you know made them become it gave them yeah. determination it gave them a bit of grit um so even though that the marathon itself is like the, the cherry on the icing of the cake it's a celebration a celebration of what sort of person you become so i think the training actually is everything so yeah don't don't let that be something else you beat yourself up about just get a training plan get involved stick to it as much as you can um and that's you know i think that's sort of that's it really the training are we all going to run a marathon this year? Do you think the marathons are going to be back on? Oh, God, I, I hope, hope so. so, don't you? <laughs> I think by no, October, so. surely. I mean, the, the trouble with the really big ones is that they are, you know, they are so international and it looks like there's going to be mm. quite a lot of sort of differences worldwide in where where countries are with the vaccine. Where, As we speak, you know, the UK is doing amazingly well and hitting every target and exceeding them and fantastic. Um but there are no travel corridors and that's the, you know, that is the worry. It will London on, is it October the 3rd? Will that be run as, you know, London was run in April, 2019? I, um, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Have you got your eye on one, Jane? Or are you just not, well, not thinking that? Well, I've, I've got London and Chicago on the cars, but they're now a week apart. So who knows? We'll just carry on carrying on and see what happens. I'm not ruling either or any out. Maybe I'll do two back-to-back. I know a man who, who had a go at doing two marathons back-to-back. And I think the first one went better than the second, but you decided to run it as a sort of training one. This, is, this, this gets a mention in the book as well, the, the Manchester and then London uh, yeah. thing that you did. I messed up there. I did mess <laughs> up there. Um, so Mar- I think it was two weeks, actually, two weeks apart. And I was just doing Manchester. Um, I'm, I'm an ambassador for the Manchester Marathon. I love the Manchester Marathon. And it was just the perfect day, the perfect weather. Um, my legs were working really nicely. And I was I was floating round. And then at about 15, 16 miles, when it just started to sting, I thought, well, I've trained hard. Don't go too hard in Manchester. The PB, the PB attempt is still London. And I think at this stage, my PB was 2.59. And I every time it hurt, I just dialed back a little bit. So it stopped, you know, being a struggle. And I floated in in 3.01, which is actually, you know, <laughs> as far as my legs are concerned, I may as well have run a 2.59. Um, yeah. And certainly that's what they told me in London two weeks later. And then I was talking to Danny, who works for the London Marathon, Danny Nimmerk. Um, she's in charge of the event. 
like the expo and she won the women's race with a huge PB and I was thrilled for her. And she couldn't, how did you get on? And I told her, you know, that every time it hurt, I dialed back. And she just stared at me and went, why? And then, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but you're not, you're not always thinking clearly, are you? In the midst of a marathon, certainly not 15 miles in. And I just, I wonder, but maybe, you know, maybe it was meant to be. I don't really care. I don't really, I mean, maybe I would have broken my PB. Probably I would, but maybe the extra pressure would have, um, yeah right yeah you know found its way to my legs as it sometimes does um and and i'd have run even slower yeah true hey still a good still a good time still a good time yeah. you know, still amazing <laughs> but i do feel that that's like the asterisk yeah all of the other ones around about there i absolutely gave everything and then that one i absolutely didn't i hardly gave anything and I thought, <laughs> what if that's the only what if um, so how to run a marathon? How, how do people um, get hold of it? Is it is it it's out already or it's coming out? Yeah, yeah, it's out. Um, it's out. It's everywhere. It's audiobook. It's Kindle. It's Amazon. Um, it's yeah, wherever you want. Um, and what it is, um, like part one is you know why everybody should, and part two where you star Rick is um, how ev- anybody can. Um, so stories of my marathons, like Manchester, like, like Barcelona, like when I did finally break three hours in London, but others where they've gone spectacularly wrong, like a, a PB attempt in Amsterdam and, 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 and you know, and, and all over. Um, and then interspersed with other wonderful people, uh, Lisa Jackson, who writes a column. Yeah, she's a columnist, yeah. Magazine, yeah. And, you know, she's like, <laughs> her title is that, that you know the woman who finishes last Catherine Switzer the first woman to run an official marathon and they tried to haul her off the course in Boston and she changed the way people think about women in running marathons to um a, a blind runner who fell in love with his guide and then they run marathons all over the world to this amazing woman called Susie who was at the finishing line in Boston that horrible year when the bonds went off and then she came back the next year and got married mid-course. You know, lovely stories from wonderful yeah. people. Um, and then the second half is the experts, training guides, nutrition, you know, mental side of it, and the gadgets and gear, which is the best chapter. Of oh, <laughs> worth it just for that. No, it sounds great. It's, uh, I think uh, really important to get those stories in there because, as you say, that's that really is the magic of the marathon, isn't it? It's, it's the kind of personal stories that, that go into the race, I think. Well, I always think, you know, whenever I'm asked to give a talk or anything like that, you know, the way I always start is, is literally with the words, let me tell you a story, because people like being t- told stories. We all love being told stories, um, whether it's my six-year-old reading me. She read it to me. She read me Mr. Tall in the bath yesterday, which was great to just, you know, hearing stories about marathons. We're a, we're a species that loves a story. So you don't want to tell people how they can run a marathon by literally, you know, two plus two equals four. Just tell them stories. And hopefully that will inspire people to give it a go. Because honestly, if you're listening to this thinking, should I run a marathon? The answer, 100% is yes. This is the Runner's World Podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. Thanks very much to our guest, Vassos Alexander, and let us know what you think about the podcast, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 39 guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.